Hi, welcome to the Happiness Hive podcast. I'm Catherine Bowyer and I am completely fascinated by people and what motivates them. I've spent the past three and a half decades specialising in mindset and human behaviour and I've helped thousands of people to create happy and amazing lives. And now I am super excited to be chatting with women from around the world who I have secret and to be honest, not so secret crushes on. They're women who inspire me. I'm intrigued as to how they do life and what makes them tick. I want to find out their magic formula that makes them who they are. And at the end of the episode, I'd love for you to say, I'd like a little bit of what she's having. The conversations are real and raw. They're full of passion, inspiration and lots of fun. And nothing is off limits. So grab yourself a cuppa or pop on your trackie and go for a walk and join us for today's chat. There may just be that pearl of wisdom you need to hear. So let's shimmy on over and get started. So welcome to another episode of the Happiness Hive podcast. And today's guest is Letitia Andrak, who is an energetics and strategy business mentor. She's the founder of Essential Shift Consulting and a number one best-selling author of her book, which is called Light It. How to Trust Your Intuition and Build a Thriving Business. Letitia is a business doula who teaches impact-driven entrepreneurs how to weave intuition and strategy together to grow sustainable businesses for people, profit, and the planet. And we're going to chat about all the things that make Letitia who she is and also dipping into that authenticity piece about showing up authentically in business, but in life. So welcome. How are you? Thank you so much for having me, Catherine. I'm really good. Oh, I just love your vibe. You know, we haven't really, we, we've connected online. Yes. But you just radiate this beautiful, warm, electric energy. Have you always been like that? Yes. <laughs> yes. This kind of, are you plugged on the wall? Like, how do you get so energized all the time? Yes. It's part of my strengths and my weaknesses as well. But yeah. Yeah. Do you know what? Same. And so as a kid, you were like that as well? Yes. 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 Oh, tell me, I'm just going to even ask you, what are the strengths of radiating that positivity? So you said it's part of the strengths, but it's also part of your weaknesses. Yes. What are the positive bits around it? You're really magnetic. People want to be with you because you're always positive. You have this positive outlook. You have this energy that, you know, they can plug into and then they feel very energized and it's very, you know, how when we yawn, everyone is yawning. And when you're just very radiant, vibrant and energetic, everyone feels energized. So you're uplifting everyone's mood. Yes. But the, you know, the negativity of that or, you know, the shadow, because I always like to say there is light and shadow to everything. And it's just about knowing it and acknowledging it. The shadow is sometimes you're giving everything away. Yeah. Your radiance is just illuminating everyone but yourself. And you just then feel burnt out, which is my story, which I share in my book. And you just giving everyone this beautiful light and then inside like oh my gosh what's left to me (laughs) yeah I can really relate to that too that it's about that natural energy but it can also leak out exactly if you're not mindful but yes but not fulfilling yeah Mm. not coming back it can be external but not internal so oh that's interesting yeah very very cool now before we got on air you said you had a little piece of cheese. Being French, you needed to have a little nibble of cheese. Tell me, where did you grow up? Where's your country of origin? And tell me all about that. Yes, so I'm born and raised in a very small town in the south of France, a very, very small village. And uh, so the French Riviera, 
beautiful place on earth coming from there from my ancestors and ancestors and sisters and all of that so very grounded in the south of france and loving the cheese <laughs> loving the cheese <laughs> the croissant and the delicious french food and uh yes yeah, so i am born and raised in the south of france and then for my study I moved to Lyon, where I studied in one of the best business schools in the world. And then I moved to Paris to work for a bit. And after seven years in the buzzing, energetic city of Paris, I felt very drained. And I was looking to reconnect with nature. And Australia called me. So this is home since 2014, about nine years now. Oh, wow. And did you come here on your own? Like were I you... came with my husband. Yes. So we got married just before moving to Australia. The funny story is when he asked me, when he proposed, we didn't know we would move to Australia. He proposed, we organized our wedding on the rings that he proposed with. It's an antique ring with um, Australian sapphire on it. And we got married under a eucalyptus tree. When we don't have many eucalyptus trees in Provence, we got married in a vineyard from friends of us and under eucalyptus tree. So I guess Australia knew we were coming, but we didn't know yet. You didn't know, I would say. Isn't it beautiful how just things map out in our lives yeah. and just the significance of that and then to come get called to to come to Australia so you live in Sydney in Cronulla is yeah we correct? live in Cronulla yes so we when we initially moved to Australia for seven years we lived in Bondi Beach yeah which was buzzing amazing loved it and then COVID hit and we had two little kids at home, both of us working as general manager in big firm. And we're like, okay, are we going to kill each other or do we need a house with a garden? And that's where we moved to Cronulla. And so for those listeners who are not from Australia, or some of them even from Australia, Cronulla is a beach suburb in yeah. Sydney. So you're yes, still it's a beach on- suburb south of Sydney. Yes close to the coast um so same as bondi but not eastern suburb of Sydney. yes more southern close to the royal national park bundina yeah. so we wanted more of the nature that was calling us initially in australia and bondi was beautiful but we only had the oceans the rest of the trees and so on were not very existent so here we have the royal national park on our doorstep and yeah we loved it here beautiful so, so it sounds like nature is a really important part like yes. really important for you that yes access and being in nature Yes. Yeah. Yes, I'm neurodiverse and nature soothes me yes. and helps me and rejuvenates me. And my daughter are neurodiverse as well. So it's really important to be in nature. And I grew up in a very small village yes. surrounded by nature. My husband as well is from the south of France. So for us, it was very important to find a place where we can commute easily to a city centre for our respective work, but at the same time be in, in nature in five minutes. Yeah. Oh, that sounds just beautiful. Like that sounds like a really lovely balance to have the the nature, but access to what you need. What was growing up like for you? What was it like? So you sort of said about being in that small town in the South of France. What was it like growing up there? It was really, you know, when we say, you know, everyone in the village and you know, yeah, yeah. all the story about the village and all that, it was really that, which yeah. I really enjoyed. And, you know, it was very safe. So I could go and walk to buy our bread in the bakery. It was, you know, we would go and play in the big space that we have with all the other kids from the small village. It was really like taking your bike and going here and there. And it was a very nice, happy and humble childhood. So my parents didn't have much, but we were always having food on the table and always the simple pleasure. So Mm. our 
simple holiday, the thing we would do, we're always going hiking in nature, you know, the bushwalks and with our backpack and exploring nature. So I never went on a holiday abroad until I was very old. And I took my first flight when I was 21. I had a panic attack. It was to go to India. Another story for another day. Oh my but gosh. It's just yeah, like yeah. I was, you know, friends, my parents were always like, France is the most beautiful country in the world. We have everything. We have the snow, we have nature, we have this and that. And they were really fascinated by hiking. And so they passed this on to me and my brother. So it was a very simple, humble, nice childhood, like nothing traumatic, just just very peaceful. Just sounds simple, beautiful. you know, simple life. Nice. Yeah. Ours was similar growing up as well. We had, you know, we were always looked after, but it was very family oriented and just the the beautiful, had a beautiful childhood. Yes. Yeah, it was lovely. And what did you do? So you studied from school. What were you studying? Yes. So I went into the normal schooling system and I was yeah. quickly identified as a kid who has, you know, kind of great capacity to learn new things and so on. So I was pushed onto a program, which we have in France, which is what we call preparatory school. So it's like a very elitist program where you're prepared for entering our best business school and so on and so forth. And at the time, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be an anthropologist. I wanted to study ancient culture. I wanted to be, otherwise I wanted to be a lawyer. I, I really wanted to work in that field of human rights, knowing people, knowing that culture and so on. And basically my teachers, they all get together and they applied for me to get into this very elitist program, which I got in. And then I was catapulted into another kind of world where all those kids were kids of diplomats, kids of, you know, leader of big corporation and all of that. And I just had the, for the first time in my life, this kind of sense of, oh my gosh, I am a, I think you say in English, a bumpkin ass or whatever it's called. We say a cutter in French, but we have like the bumpkin something. What is it, a bumpkin ass? Uh, country, bump, country bumpkin. Country um, bumpkin. Country bumpkin. So yeah. I, feel like, I felt like a country bumpkin. I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, what is these people? Like, yeah. you know, the Louis Vuitton bag and the, you know, yes. very nice designer clothes and the very nice car and so on. And I was 18 at the time and I just have different room and so on. And of course, my parents couldn't afford like a big apartment and so on. So yeah. I was staying in the in the campus in this small room and so on. And, you know, all of them driving their fancy car and so on. So it was very interesting. Do you know what we I, call that too? Like a, a fish out of water. That, Completely. Completely. Yeah, that fish out of water in an environment that's very, very different. Very different. And also what impact, how did that affect you being in that? I think it affected me deeply for, um, you know, the the rest of my career for quite some time until I burnt out, which is something I share in my book. But yeah. if I take you on the journey, yeah, please. like I arrived in that space where, you know, it was completely foreign to me, everything I, you know, I had never been to the museum. I had never been to the theater. It was just, you know, to the opera. It was just a whole new way of being, living. And so I was aspiring to belong to this group as you would when yeah. you're 18 and you're just yeah. entering this new group. So I was striving to belong. So I just learned their codes and learn about their way of being and so on and so forth, which, you know, I'm a very chameleon being as at heart. So, you know, I just, adopted their way of being and so on, which then encouraged me to strive to be a strategy consultant and then, you know, earning a lot of money and having a great career in Paris for a few years until I was like, this is not who I am. 
I'm just playing games here. I'm not this person. I want to be in nature. I don't want to be in the museum, in the opera, even though I loved actually going to the opera. And I still do. Like I go to the opera yeah. in Sydney as, as often as I can. So this is really something I love. But at the time, I was more like, this is a code, right? So I yeah. want to belong to this culture, this new social uh, status that I have acquired. And it was really kind of feeling shameful of my family and my upbringing, which is something I share in my book and I know it affected my grandparents were farmer and all that but I said that I was sorry but just I thought that this was success this was like this external wealth signaling was success so I became that person until everything collapsed I'm like no what I'm going to go back I'm going to we'll, we'll talk about the collapse in a minute but yeah. it's interesting isn't it Letitia that you were kind of taken out of your environment, even though you wanted to do something different. And I know the French schooling system is different to yeah. here, but you were almost taken out of that environment and plopped into a, a very foreign yeah. culture and foreign environment. And then working out the, the code and to fit in, it's about operating a certain way. Yes. And, you know, doing that because there's that fear of rejection and not being good enough and I have to be like them. And it's very, mm-hmm. very easy to be swept up in that and then, you know, get, getting some of the, the benefits. But then what I'm hearing is that it just didn't feel like there was a disconnect for you. And as you yes. got older, what was the, what? tell us what was happening then about that sort of process you were going through going, this is not who I am. So I had moments where I think I was reconnecting with who I was. It's really when I reached 24, where I was really having a few years where I was just fully into the the kind of leadership thing, yeah. all of that. But at the beginning, it was interesting because I was when I was in this environment, so for the school term, I would be living like them, you know, like air attendants when you're like in this five-star hotel and then you go back to your home and it's actually, you know, not that luxurious. So I would be, you know, living this lifestyle for the time of the term and then going back to my roots, going back to who I was, going back to my family were so connected to the cycle of nature, to the land, trusting your intuition and practicing very beautiful rituals of healing and all of that. And then going back. So I had still this connection with you know who I am in part of myself and who I was becoming or who I was trying to become and so I went to India during that time I explored you know my own spiritual path and all those kind of things so I was still a bit connected in who I was as a young child and as my soul is now and then it's when I moved to Paris and I started this high demanding exposure career and I was groomed as I was groomed to go into this best business school then I was groomed to go into becoming a partner in one of the big strategy firm. And then, you know, until, so during that time when I was groomed in the strategy consulting world, because of my brain, because of how I think, how I see things and so on, I was just like working, 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 working and disconnecting, no time to go and see the family down south, no time to do those kind of things, no time to, and just time to keep going and going up the ladder and delivering those those results and traveling and meeting Mike Bloomberg, you know, all those kind of, wow, that's amazing. It was amazing. Don't get me wrong. I was disconnecting, disconnecting until one day it all went down to earth back again in 2014. So, yeah. So for a few years, I was just trickling along, going up the ladder, going into this successful path that external people will be like, oh my gosh, you're earning so much money and you're on your apartment by yourself in Paris and you're driving this and you have this handbag. Yeah. No, that's not. It's almost like that you've been 
swept up onto this spinning wheel yeah. and that there was good bits, you know, good bits. On oh, definitely. Bits that I'm so grateful for. On the spinning wheel. Yeah. And I see a lot of people and I've been on my own spinning wheel and it's almost hard to get off. Like it's just so caught up on it. So what happened for you when you said you just dropped back to earth? What was the... So what, for me, I think I was like, you know, I would describe it as a wave, you know, taken yeah. by a wave. Yeah. And then the wave stopped. You know? it's amazing <laughs> when you surf, but then at some point the wave dies. And I think this is what happened. I was surfing by wave. I was like, what? And then the wave died. So when I was at the top of the wave, you know, doing this Bloomberg philanthropy work with meeting Mike Bloomberg in Berlin and doing this work, which was like amazing. incredible. Yeah. Loved it. Such impact driven, such purposeful work. Incredible, incredible. And then, you know, a few days later, I was in my bed, not able to move. Yeah. Because I was in June 2014. And I was just like, cannot move. And for, you know, as you described, a very radiant being plugged on the wall, always with high energy. I was like, what's happening? I cannot move. So I took myself to the doctor. And this is where I was diagnosed with burnout and so on. And this is when I actually took time off for the first time since I was 14, because I started working at 14, if you go back to humble yeah. beginning, I wanted to buy myself a motorcycle. My parents couldn't afford it. So I had to work and be a waitress for that. Yeah. So it's just, you know, I had never taken any holiday. Yeah. And so at that time, I was always working during the school holiday or in parallel to my study in business school. I was the only one working in parallel and all that. So I had to take time off work. How lazy, hey? And so I took time off work and I rebuilt myself and I reconnected with my wholeness, with who I was, where I come from, what are my roots, which is what I help all of my clients now. Yes, do. that's what you do now. And how old were you then? So I was 30, it was my Saturn return. Because yes. I'm an astrologer as well, yes. so I knew it would come. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I knew it would come. <laughs> I didn't know it would come that hard, but I knew it would. <laughs> because that is for some for some um listeners might not be familiar with the Saturn return that that's often it's when you're yeah it's when you're when Saturn return in your chart and it's about yeah. 29 30 yeah. years so you have one when you're 29 or 30 one when you approach your 60 one when you approach your 90 it's just you know yeah. those cycle of Saturn which is just readjusting your path realigning yeah. it with your soul purpose and your dharma and everything I was doing during those 29 years were just the the beautiful things that I've learned that I can now use in those yeah. years that I'm stepping into my dharma and then, you know, it would look different in a few years. And, you know, we say that often we approach death on our third Saturn return, which is normal. It's around the 90-year-old. So, yes. Yeah. I'm going through my second. Now I'm 57. Yes. And I can see changes happening within, Definitely. within realignment again realignment absolute realignment yeah. that readjustment realignment and yeah and that's why I always say don't fear your Saturn return a lot of my clients are like oh my gosh yeah. you're going to tell me when is my Saturn return I'm like but don't fear it actually yeah. your Saturn return is just an opportunity to be helped by the energy to realign and if you're already conscious aware and so on the alignment can be very subtle yes yeah yeah so you did big shift then about rebuilding yourself yes. and you rebuilt yourself in so you're still a business strategist, aren't you? Yes. What was so the sort of process? Tell me a what. Strategy consultant working for big firm, big yeah. firm in strategy consulting, one of the big strategy firm out there. If you look on LinkedIn, you will know which one it is. Yes. And yeah. and then from there, what I decided is I took the time off, and I took two weeks off, and then I extended two more weeks, and then when I went back in the office. I tried to, without saying I suffered from burnout because yeah. I was so shameful about it. Yeah. I just said I had a health issue. 
at the time. If it was now, I would say it, but at the time yeah. it was not that, yeah. you know, we didn't have COVID and burnout was not yeah. such a buzzword. So it was just very shameful to burn out. So I just came back, said I had a health issue and I wanted to do less. And you know what we always say, it's like either you can change your rituals. If your rituals don't suffice, you need to change your environments. Yeah. And I try to change by voicing what I needed, by saying no, when before I would always say yes, all those kind of things. It didn't suffice. And then this is when Australia called us. And I told my husband, I was like, let's move to Australia. We didn't know yeah. anyone. It was a pure intuitive move. And so we moved here and he kept working in strategy consulting. And I took six months off to really rebuild myself. And then I joined a big firm here in Australia where I was leading as a general manager as a strategy, new growth, innovation, still not backing myself enough to be a business mm -hmm. owner. I knew I wanted to do that, but yeah. I was not backing myself enough. So uh, it's only in March 2021 that I quit to launch my business full time. Oh, wow. So it's been quite a journey, hasn't it? It's Completely. It was not overnight. That's what I always say. No. Don't believe in overnight stories because they're never overnight. No, no. And it's also about, it's lovely listening to the the story and the journey and just seeing those threads that are woven through it as to how you've got to where you are now. And even I predict where you'll end up going as well. So business strategy is certainly in your DNA, yes. but you do it quite differently now, don't you? So it's your business yes. and it's about that tapping into your intuition to be able to use that in your business. So tell us a, a little bit about what you do there with people. Yes. <laughs> How does that? So what yeah. I, what, like one of my strengths, which has always been my strengths is I'm a visionary and I love to play with ambiguity. I love to look you know, for the big innovation, the big trend, how can you create new growth in your business? And this is why, you know, I was hired by those big firm and paid a shit ton of money yeah. to pick my brain and design those strategies in the long term and using all of those different framework along the way. And I loved it. I freaking loved it. But it was not always used for good. Yeah, It was not always about making profit for businesses which are impacting positively people and planet. And when I became a mother, and you may have heard about matrescence, which is a phase where we shift in our life when we become mother. And for me, it was another moment of realignment on top of my Saturn return. Then a few years later, boom, mm. mother would arrived and I was like, oh my gosh, not only I was not honoring my full self, now I'm honoring my full self and I'm coming up in meetings when I was in the big corporation talking about the moon and astrology and the cycle of the season and so on. So I was more mindful about that. So I was bringing all of this together. But when I became a mother, I was like, I need to bring all of this together, but for the greater good. Yeah. For businesses that are looking to impact positively the planet or positively the people or both. Yeah. So this is when, so the way I help as a business strategist and a spiritual mentor, intuitive mentor. So basically I weave the both together and I call myself being a business doula. So I hold this sacred space for a business owner, for a team to birth their next growth in their business in pure alignment with their own vision, their own dharma, their, their own mission. And if we need to go at their natal chart and look at the astrology right. for that or their Ayurveda blueprint, because I'm an Ayurveda practitioner as well, or looking at their human design, whatever we need to look to make sure that whatever they're creating is really aligned with their own self and trusting their intuition to create that vision. And then from that, so we start from them to design the strategy rather than start the strategy, which we would do when I was a strategy consultant from the external condition. Okay, yeah. what's the opportunity in the market? Where are the gaps? How can we close the gaps? What are the next innovation? We do it the other way around. Yeah. So I use all the tools, all the knowledge that I'm so grateful that I've gathered 
for, you know, two decades doing strategy for big firm and big corporation and all of that, but now use it for other, the other way around. We start with the individual and we create it from there. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. I've got a million things buzzing around in my head as you say that. And that's often where I see that people lose themselves. You know how you were saying that you were plucked out and you were kind of planted into the the elite business school, which is, was great for you, but it was was not really coming from your core. A lot of people that I work with often don't know who they are at their core. And then how do they create something, whether it's a business or I kind of focus on that whole of life, how do they create, create a life that's in alignment with who they are and what they want? And it's that real foundational piece. Mm-hmm. So I love what you do there to be able to get that whole alignment. And I love also, Letitia, what you were saying, that it's for it's for people. It's also for profit. But, you know, we're, we're, we're making money out of this as well. But it's also for the planet. It's for the greater good and that ripple effect of all of those things. So for me, that's a really powerful triad. And there's other elements that come off that as well. Just a really powerful, beautiful combination. Thank you. Um, One of the things I wanted to ask you, because when you you help to weave intuition and strategy together, strategy is the doing. How do you define strategy? What what is strategy? So it's a very good question. For me, strategy is the where are you going? Yeah. So it is the vision. It is the pathway. It is how do you, like, where do you want to go and how do you go there? Then the doing is more the tactics and the operation or the implementation of a strategy. Yes. Okay, so the strategy is really where we're going. For the implementation, what happens for some of my clients, we're like, okay, so we want to go there. So we want to develop a fully new, uh, so I help startups that are software-based businesses, or I help service-based businesses or product-based businesses. I'm very agnostic because actually my background, I've worked with all of those businesses. So it doesn't really matter what you're doing. It's more like, how do we get there? So basically once we worked on the vision, on the strategy, where do you want to be in one, two, three, five, ten years? And then we started mapping out the plan for the implementation, the operations doing, we may decide to hire someone to do that. Yes. Or we may decide yes. to outsource this or we may decide to automate this, but I am not the one helping you do that. Yes. Then I refer someone else that may be you know, a virtual CFO, if you're a small business or a CFO, if you're a bigger business, or we may be like, okay, you may need an operational, a virtual COO, an operation person to really do all of that. Or maybe you need a programming team, a backend team, a data scientist team, like whatever you need, then we identify who is going to do the work. Or if you're a solopreneur, we'll identify what is the best way for you to make that happen, but you're doing it. I am more designing as a strategy consultant, we will design the strategy and then we will bring implementation team or more change management consultant or other type of people to do the work so i'm really helping the business owner to step outside of the business look where they're going and designing the strategy so that's what i design i define as a strategy is basically think about a river it's a river bank yeah the river bank of the river and then the flow of the river is basically the water and all the doing and all the thing all the doing so what's intuition then so, the so intuition help, yeah. is making sure that this is yours. Yes. Is this yours or is this someone else? So we basically always check in when we're designing the strategy, when we're designing the new growth opportunity, when we're making decisions for the business to pivot, to grow, to hire, to you know increase the cash flow here or decrease the profit here because actually we want to invest here and all those kind of things. We check in. 
Yes. So it's like helping them first identify what is intuition for them. How is that expressed? Because yes. everyone's saying it's gut feeling, it's heart expansion, it's, because it's all of that. It's different for each and every one of us. So I help them design, define, identify what is, how is their inner compass being expressed? So I help them do that. We also look at their blueprint and all of that to yes. know, informed by the positioning of their planet, how might they feel their intuition. Then we train that intuition as a new compass rather than what is everyone else doing? What yeah. should I do? And then once we use that, we overlay the two. And so intuition is this inner knowing. Yeah. No one can tell you you should. It's what you know. Yes. And actually my book is called Light It, but we had hesitated between you know it or light it, but I can explain why we landed yeah. on light it. But yeah. It's really this sense of feeling where you know, like, we were called to go to Australia. Everyone's like, but you've never been. It's 24 hours away. Why would you? Well, I'm like, we're going. Yeah. When we bought this house, what the fuck? Like, you live in Bondi. Why don't you buy why don't you buy around here? Why do you know? No, Cronola is calling me. And then, you know, the Montessori school had space for my daughter. By then we knew they needed an alternative school where in Bondi they wouldn't have had space. All those kind of things aligned then, but don't question it. And I'm not the only one saying that intuition should lead the way in implement, you know, in designing your strategy and then implementing the action. Jeff Bezos would say he bought the Washington Post following his intuition. Steve Jobs mm. says that it's the most important assets. Yeah. Samantha Wills closed her business following her own intuition. So it's not just me. Literally, no, she's from a little yeah. town in the south of France, <laughs> connecting here from Cronola with her nice business. This is common sense. If you want to be a successful entrepreneur, you need to start tuning in and stop outsourcing your intuition. Yes, I was talking about that with a girlfriend the other day. We were doing a debrief about some things in life and they were the actual words that we, we didn't say stop outsourcing intuition. We said stop outsourcing a whole lot of things yeah. and start, you know, validation, a whole lot of things and insource that. Yes. Really cool there because when I talk with people about intuition, they're often about, well, what is it and how do I know? And it's different for, there's a whole range of things, isn't it? And I love what you said there about finding their way of accessing their intuition and it's about what's right for them. And it's not about what, what, you know, I need to do it a certain way because that's what Letitia's doing. It's about what is it for me in, in how I, who I am in this lifetime. Definitely. And know that we are all intuitive. Yes. Yes, I'm a medium psychic. I come yes. from a family of healer, all yes. that. So I was born with intuition being our way of being. Yeah. So I've always been trusting my intuition, yeah. even when I thought I was not, I was. Yes. But I think for some people who've never listened to it, it's just about reconnecting with that. We are all intuitive. So it's just yeah. like a muscle is when you go to the gym the first time, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm not flexible. You can work on that. Yeah. So it's just about working on the thing because intuition is really a gift and I really want us to start reconnecting with it, which was our innate way of being. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Light It, tell us about your book. So you were going to call it, what did you say, Knowing? So initially we were going to call it Light Your Way, but then the beautiful Michelle Obama, I don't know if you know her. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) She released the book just a few months before I released mine, which is called The Light We Carry. And, you know, I was like, okay, light your way, the light we carry, you know, it's a bit confusing and so on. So we started brainstorming with a publisher around a new name. Then we were talking about, you know, it and so on. But the thing is like the light framework is at the heart of my book. So I wanted light on the title and we're like, yeah, "Yeah, it's important because 
we're all connecting with our inner light, which is how I define your intuition, and really reconnecting with that way of being a business owner through the light framework, which I describe in the book and all of that. So basically, we're like, okay, we need light on the cover. And then light, it came and was like this full intuitive response. Yes. You know, you know it. I needed to test it, ask people and so yeah. on. But when it was lighted, I was like, this is it. You don't need to ask anyone if it's great in English, if it's I just don't care. So people are like, oh, you should say light it up. I'm like, no, it's lighted. That's it. Yeah. I love that, that it came to you through a, a process of, you know, originally what you were going to have is like, well, we can't have that. We need to go back and revisit but it was allowing space for that to come. When I'm working with my clients and I ask them a question, they often say, oh, I don't know. It's like, how do you feel or what's going on? They go, oh, I don't know. And then it's like, well, if you did know, what would the response be? And often then they go, yeah, I don't know. But they're really quick to say, I don't know. Yes. Okay. And then it's just like, well, let's just sit with that and let's see what comes forward. And then they'll say, oh, I don't know if this is a thing, but this is kind of what's happening for me at the moment. It's like, yeah, that's a thing. That is absolutely a thing. And then they'll go, oh, that reminds me of this other thing and this other thing. Oh, actually, that's for me, that's about accessing intuition. We have those yeah. the, the resources within us. It's about creating that space for us to, to, to allow them to come forward for us. I think sometimes we're in such a rush, like, give me the answer, give me the answer, yes. that we don't hear that it's there and that's where you know in Ayurveda and in a lot of my yeah. teaching I always say it starts with space yeah sorry just... without space nothing can happen yeah. without space a fire cannot be created without yeah. space you cannot write anything without space you cannot channel any ideas without space so always making space so that's where you know doing the Marie Kondo is really powerful yeah. in our physical space but in everything in everything making the space for yes to sit with it, to find the answer and, you know, to write a book, to whatever is the thing, to record a podcast, yeah. Yeah. make the space first. Yeah. I had a really beautiful um, image and it's really obvious, but it was really profound for me. It's like, you know, when we say what fills your cup and it was just like the image of this cup that's full, but when it's full, there's no room for anything else to come in. So it's always looking at the cup and what can I release from it? to be able to create space for more to come in. And it was just like, you know, I say that a lot, but when that visual came in the other day, it's just like going, oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> like, I, yes, of course, I'm on a major physical declutter of stuff. And I must admit it's a challenging process because there's attachment to stuff and I'm working through that attachment or, or detachment, I guess. Yeah, it's an interesting process. What? Do, gosh, there's, I reckon we need to come back for maybe a, a multi-part series because there's a lot of things I want to ask you. I'm just thinking through my thoughts. Let me ask you this first. What was the process of writing your book like? And I know that that's a very big question. What was what was that like? How did you go through that process? I think the process is actually encompassed in the light framework itself. Yeah. Beautiful. Because it's exactly, I followed the light framework without realizing I was yeah. following the light framework at the time because I was writing the book, if that makes sense. So it was yeah. coming together and like, oh, the process I, I followed so basically I writing a book was not on my agenda yeah. so again I told you I'm a visionary I plan you know in the next five ten years not a book mm. and not in English if a book would have come you know and then I went actually on a new moon in Scorpio on a silent retreat by myself so we're going to have a new moon in Scorpio on the 13th of November so about two years ago 
New Moon in Scorpio 2021, went on a solo retreat. I was grieving a friend of us who had passed away on the full moon in Scorpio, so six months before. So I was like, new beginning, rebirth, Scorpio energy, let me go on a solo retreat. Meditation, you need to write a book. No, no, it's coming back. Okay, so then what did I do? The first step of the light framework, I lean in. Okay, I'm going to write a book, putting it on my vision and really being like, okay, I'm going to become an author. Okay, I'm going to write a book. Okay, it's going to be about this process of reconnecting with your intuition because the message was very loud and clear that I need to teach that to others, not limited just to my community and all those kind of things. It's like, okay, okay, I'm going to lean in. So that was the easiest part because for me, mm. designing the vision, leaning in, easy. I know for a lot of people, when they read my books, they're like, oh my gosh, it's the hardest part. Like designing the vision and, you know, leaning in and embracing the vision is really hard. For me, that was the easy part. Mm. Then illuminating the path, which is the eye of the light framework, was like, okay, so what do I need to put in place working backwards from the vision of being an author? What are the steps? How do I get that done? Who do I need to surround myself with? Like, let's let's put that on a map. So I call that the illumination map, which I teach in the book. And I was actually doing that. Like, what are the yeah. steps backwards? Yeah. Like, blah, blah, blah. So working backwards from the vision. And then gathering, which is a G of the framework, was great as well. It was gathering all the stories, what's in the book, starting writing, gathering my mentor, finding, you know, the right people to surround me in my author journey, the publisher, all of those kind of things. So gathering, gathering all of this. Mm -hmm. And then the hardest part, which is the hardest part for everyone, and the hardest mm -hmm. part in the book, was honoring. Honoring the creative process, yeah. honoring the divine timing for ideas to drop, for this to happen, for that to be picked up by a publisher, for that to be done, for that. Like the honoring was really hard. And then even now transforming and becoming an author is an interesting step of the process because I never introduced myself as an author first. Yeah. And I need to start doing that because I am an author, I am a speaker, and I am a business strategist, business doula, business mentor. But I need to lead and transform and become this author. So that's the process I went through. How was it? There was amazing moments where you have, you know, this creative genius and you have moments where like, Oh my gosh, it's so shit. I need to redo that. Or when I received, for instance, the feedback on my first manuscript for my book mentor, where I had to rework my introduction, I was like, I'm not reworking it. You know, your ego kicking in. They're yes. like, I'm not rewriting it. So I took two months off writing. Had two months off writing just because I couldn't redo my introduction. I was not hearing, listening, yeah. receiving the feedback as a gift as I should have. And it took me two months. Again, the honoring, just stopping and being like, okay, I'm just going to let it be. And I'll come back writing. So I took two months off writing in the process. Then I enjoyed writing on a trip that I was in France. Then I had moments where the creative spark will, you know, come when the girls are in their swimming lesson and you don't have your laptop, you don't have anything to write. So voice not myself, you know, in the middle of the swimming lessons when the girls are in the pool and it's very noisy. And then you're listening, you're like, what were you saying? What is the idea? So it was a very, very interesting process. And I think the main mindset shift that I had to go through was who am I to write a book in English when I'm a native French speaker? Mm -hmm. And for a long time, it was a mindset block. And now I realize it is a gift because actually I don't compare myself with Shakespeare because I'm not English. Yes. So That's I, beautiful. you know, I can write a very simple, but not simplistic, very simple yes. book because I have simple English. Oh, I love that so much. And it's like you followed your own framework intuitively. 
Yes. But so people go and um, we've got details of where you can purchase the book in the show notes as well. So light it. Coming sort of to a, to a bit of a close, the authenticity piece, Letitia, there's bits that I can hear through your journey where you were more authentic, like in alignment with who you are. And then there was pieces where you weren't in alignment. What are some tips about helping? And, and they're already woven through what you've been sharing but what are some of your tips for others who are maybe not finding it as easy to step into that authenticity of who they truly are? Mm. So, you know, some things that really helped me in my journey of becoming my myself and, you know, that is described in the book as well, but that's I, I shared in my journey. But some things that really helped me was making space, as we talked about, and really rediscovering why I am here. Yeah. And what do I want to be doing? What impact do I want to have? And there are different moments in my life when this question came to me. You know, we talked about motherhood. We talked about with my Saturn return, but also, you know, when I lost one of my grandpa I was very close by and then my grandma. It's just those moments where you're like connecting with yourself and making the space to ask those soul questions, which sometimes are a bit confronting, but just having this self-inquiry and this space to and whether it's journaling, whether it's collage, whether it's talking to a friend, whether it's, you know, a drawing or a photo, whatever it is, whatever is your way to express that. But going through this self-inquiry and being like, okay, what, why, why am I doing what I'm doing? And what do I want to do? And what is my legacy? And where do I want to, you know, lead myself? And what example do I want to give to my community, my children, my friend, my nephew, my, you know? got children, things like that, like just connecting within and making that space for self-inquiry. I think this was the gift that I had after my burnout with the two weeks and the other two weeks off, the six months I had of soul searching and so on. And don't, the second process, the second element around authenticity is don't rush the process. Yeah, It's like, you know, you will go through the layer of the onion or through, you know, discovering who you are and just embrace the journey at your own pace. You know, I, I said vulnerably that it took me seven years to start a business. And, you know, it's like for some people, it would take them a lifetime to start the business and they will be on the deathbed being like, oh, my gosh, I wish I started a business. So it's like just go with your own rhythm and peel the layer to find your true voice, your true self, and don't rush the process. Because we know that when we look at nature and everyone is talking to you about the flower, don't rush it to bloom or so on and so forth. But how many times are we going in our garden? We're like, so is it jasmine season yet? I love my jasmine being full bloom right now. That's why I'm thinking about this. But you know, every time I go in my garden, I'm like, when is jasmine season? I love it. The smell, the full bloom of the white jasmine and all of that. But I'm not rushing it. So why would I rush my own authentic voice to come out? So allowing the process to unfold as divinely timed as it should be. So that's the second tip. Yeah. Don't rush the process. Even though when I say that, you already hate me, but I don't care because I need to remind myself, which is the honoring <laughs> stage of the life yes. framework. Yeah. Honor the time. And then the third thing for them to really find their authentic voice and their authentic self, which I will use for myself, is surround yourself with people who are ready to hold space for you yeah. to find that authentic self. So whether it's Catherine in your village or whether it's other people in your village to really help you through that process of self-discovery. I have so many people around me that surround me, that hold me as I discover part of myself, as I navigate through, you know, being a mother and now approaching perimenopause, like just going through those stages of life and 
strengthening my craft and you know I have so many guides around me and I'm guiding other holding space for them so important to be mindful that you have people around you that are ready for you to peel the layer and hold you and create a safe environment for you to do that oh so beautiful and profound and the self-discovery it, it is a layered when you say about peeling the, the layers of the onion in my experience we I get to one layer and that exposes things that I just wasn't even aware of, that then under each of those layers is something new. And sometimes the things that were there before are buried deeper, another layer of them. And you also said very earlier in our chat about when I commented on your energy, that the light and the shadow, that it's not just discovering the light within, it's actually exploring the shadow, which is the you know, the flip side of it and how's that playing out in life and what's working, what's not working, what do you want? And it is, it's a, for me, it's a journey. It's not a sit down half an hour, an hour, two hours, tick done. I've discovered it's an evolution and allowing yourself that space. And I really love what you said too about surround yourself with people that support you because a lot of, I know a lot of women in my world don't have that they have people who are very judgmental of them changing and that they that's coming from a fear base that it's you know they're not wanting others to change and they're not supporting and it can be very stifling so if you do experience that it's about finding other people that do support you on that journey and you know whether it's about people supporting you and holding space but also people like yourself myself and other people out there that can help to to navigate through that journey as well I think some of it you can do on your own absolutely some of it is about having a guide and having somebody who's got your back holding your hand and leading you through a process so you can do that self-discovery so oh my gosh there's a lot more I want to ask you but I'm not going to we'll do another part two Um, I'm really interested in the Ayurvedic Ayurvedic how do you pronounce it Ayurveda Ayurveda really interested, really interested in astrology, really interested in lots and lots and lots of other things. Um, The layers. (laughs) The layers, the layers. Um, Letitia, that was just beautiful. So where can our audience find you? Yes. So as you're already on a podcast platform, you can search for the Essential Shift podcast. If you're not bored by my French accent by now, you can listen to my own podcast. So cool. It's such a beautiful (laughs) accent. Yeah. So it's called the Essential Shift Podcast, and I have conversation with clients and by myself, also solo episode around weaving strategy and intuition together and the power of it. And then I love to hang out on Instagram at essential.shift. I am the one answering my direct messages. Uh, I outsource a few things in my business, but this is me because it's a social platform. So if you always send me a message on Instagram, I'm always the one responding. I love AI. Love bot, but it's not a bot there and it's yeah. not outsourced. So I am the one replying. So you can send me a DM on Instagram at essential.shift. And if you're someone who loves listening, you can get your audiobook of Light It on any platform from Spotify, Audible, any places, Barnes and Nobles. You can get your audiobook of Light It. I will just be reading the introduction when yeah. you listen to it. It is uh, someone else that I hired to read the rest. But the feedback that I received from the audiobook is it's beautifully done. I hired a professional voice because yes. I know my accent can be tricky sometimes. So yeah. that's the invitation for you. Because the, the book's new, isn't it? The book yes. Is, yeah. Since the 21st of September, it's out for the equinox. So yeah. Oh, that is so It's so been cool. a month and 
and something. Yeah, that's very exciting. So all the details will be in the show notes anyway. So if people want to follow you 100%, do that, do that, do that, do that. I loved this chat so much. Thank you for your time. And also, if anybody, if people haven't already signed up to the Happiness Hive newsletter, pop over to my website and just scroll to the bottom. I have a weekly just fabu tips about living a, a beautiful life and other little bits and pieces there, just some juicy goodness. So, Letitia, hugs and happiness. Thank you Thank so you. much. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. You can spread the love by sharing it with a friend so she can have a little bit of what we had today. And don't forget to rate and review so we can get it into as many hearts and ears as possible. You can keep the conversation going on my Happiness Hive socials. And if you'd like some more high vibe happiness in your life, come and join me in our community of inspired and motivated women at the Happiness Lounge. This is my online membership club and your central hub for everything you will need to be truly happy and bounce out of bed every day, living and loving your best and most beautiful life. To find out more, pop over to the Happiness Hive website and click on the link working with Catherine. Until next time, big hugs and happiness.